what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Spread the floor. Let's go. Welcome to Buckets, your NBA betting podcast presented by the Action Network. I'm Matt Moore, senior NBA writer, joined as always by Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer. Raheem is coming to us from the Cosmo in Las Vegas after he checked out Saturday night's fight and has been there on. Is this like a combination of work and vacation? Is it like a combo trip, Raheem? Yeah, yes. Yeah, com- I mean, it's a combination between work and vacation. I signed up for the circuit contest. I signed up for the super contest. Um, I'm working. I'm playing. You know, I, I pulled out two different Bentleys this weekend. I had the Bentley Flying Spur on Saturday. I took that to the fight. Then I took the the drop top Bentley GT over to the Red Rock Canyon. <laughs> so I've just been having some fun, man. Yeah, Raheem is living large. That would be because he's our professional better in house to talk about <laughs> the NBA. Also joining us, Brandon Anderson from Chicago, Aurora, Chicago land. Some people will yeah. be very mad if I said that Aurora was Chicago. Some people would that's, get very, that's very true. So uh, Brandon, our props expert and betting analyst over at the Action Network. Today's show, we're going to talk about most improved player. We're going to talk about sixth man of the year. And we're going to touch a little bit on the schedule release and what that means as you're trying to analyze win totals as we get closer and closer. Gents, we are about a month away. We are what? Probably four weeks, I think four weeks exactly from media day and preseason and then like three weeks and we're into the season. So we're less than 60 days until the start of the NBA season. Things are ramping up. Football, however, is here and you can check out all of our great content about the NFL and college football on our podcast and on the Action Network and the Action Network app, which is absolutely the must have if you are a better you need to have the Action Network app. It's the best way to track your bets. You'll get all of our crack analysis. You can track Brandon's supernova red hot props betting. You can follow Raheem's excellent top-notch totals betting, and maybe he'll even bet some sides this year since he won't be so much of a coward. Uh, We'll be able to track all sorts of awesome stuff. Get information on where the money's coming in, how the line has moved, all the information on the Action Network app. And if you're interested in the NFL and college football, make sure to check out for college football, big bets on campus with Stucky and Colin Wilson, absolutely fantastic podcast, and the Action Network podcast, which is our main NFL account. Uh, they had AFC win totals this week with Sean Kerner uh, alongside Chris Raybon and Stucky, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Those podcasts, I get so much information. It's great. If you, since you're listening to this, are an NBA fan and you want more on DFS, make sure to check out every Monday on this podcast feed. We have our DFS and fantasy podcast with our guy, Dan Titus. Make sure to check that out. It's an absolutely fantastic. If you play fantasy, you're going to want to listen to it. You're not going to get better information on playing fantasy throughout the NBA season than this. Gents, I am decided. I am getting back into fantasy basketball this year. I am doing a best ball league. I'm very excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to be checking out buckets every week uh, to figure out what advice not to listen to as I'm too stubborn to ever take anyone else's <laughs> advice. Gents, let's get started, and let's talk about most improved player. So, um, we've got odds up at several books for most improved. Uh, we thought that this would be one of the most interesting bets props that we can have kind of look at early on just because of how difficult this one often is to see. I think there's a lot of interesting information to try and parse through it. I think there's, 
you know, good information to find. As always, you want to shop around and get the best prices. Let's start here, though. Uh, let's start with Raheem. So yeah. I looked at some of the books yesterday as I was looking at this, and I thought it was really honestly pretty interesting that there is a differential amongst the books that have this prop up, like at BetMGM and DraftKings, for example, two books that have these bets available. There's some disagreement on who the favorite should be, um, which is, I think, uncommon considering most of most of the awards have kind of a consensus for who's at the top. But for most improved at DraftKings, MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. from the Denver Nuggets is plus 600. Shea Gillers Alexander is plus 700 and Zion is plus 750. At BetMGM, you've actually got Shea Gillers Alexander at the top of the most improved list which I was really interested to, to take a look at that and see. I thought it was, that was like an interesting development. I had not really thought about Shay mm-hmm. in that kind of context. I was like, oh, this actually, I mean, that makes a lot of sense that people would be in on it. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get into like who you think has a lot of value, I want to ask you, what do you think about the fact that we got MPJ as the favorite at one book and Shay at the favorite at the other book and both are pretty short uh, at the other one? Do we think that either one of those are like, knockout like are those correct in terms of being the favorites going into the year i think michael porter jr is correct as as far as being the favorite because i mean obviously with jamal murray out somebody's got to step up and we know michael porter jr he's a jack he's going to be taking a lot of shots he's the guy who is going to put up those big numbers so i do think he should be the favorite um as far as shot alexander he's not somebody i actually thought about either i mean i guess it's because you know oklahoma city was tanking last year um you know he played really well but it's just like i'm not sure you know what they're really going to do as, as far as you know being a, a great team and i think that's going to kind of keep them you know off the radar i t- i reached out to bet mgm because i was curious about why they had shay as higher and mm-hmm. I was curious if that meant that like they'd gotten a lot of money that had come mm-hmm. in on Shea. And that's actually not the case. They said, no, like the response I got was we see it as easier for a player on a bad team to win this award, which makes a lot of sense. And that team to improve expectations. Randall last year is an example. So that's why we have the current odds posted. That's, that's interesting. That's I thought that was really interesting from the perspective of MPJ, right? Like it, it, the idea is it's somebody that takes a bad team and makes them decent and mpj is in a position to be on a what's been a contender team and is trying to like get them over the top um i also think it's interesting when i think of most improved player the the player that first comes to mind for me honestly is cj mccollum because that was the most easiest one to predict like cj got started getting most improved player talk after the season before he won it. Like it was immediately like, because they had that, they had that series against the Memphis mm-hmm. Grizzlies where he went off. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of, and that's the same, you know, that's the same thing that I looked at as far as like Jordan Clarkson, you saw that he had that big playoff series and then coming into next year, it's, it's kind of obvious that he would be one of the front runners. Right. Um, last five winners, Brandon, Julius Randall, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Victor Oladipo, and 2016-17, a guy named Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, before that was CJ, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, Paul George, and Ryan Anderson. And so, before that was Kevin Love as well. Yeah, before that was Kevin Love as well. Now, uh, I think there's some interesting stuff in here that I want to get to in terms of the trends here. But I'll go ahead and ask you off the top if you agree with uh, Raheem that MPJ is like a it deserves to be in that conversation. And Shea as well. If like 
are the books right that those should be the favorites going in? Yeah, I think Michael Porter Jr. makes sense as the favorite going in. It, it really is crazy, though, at the books. Like, you've got to shop around on these because, like, I'm looking in, in Illinois right now at points bet. Uh, Porter Jr. is the favorite. Kevin Porter Jr. is the favorite at Ooh. points bet. And that mm. would, would not even have been a name that would have been really on my radar. So Kevin and Michael are actually tied and they're at 14 to one, which is also a little crazy because when do you see an award like this, where the favorite comes in at such a high number at 14 to one and you know, Porter, Michael Porter jr is coming off at like half of those odds at some of the other places. So you've Mm -hmm. really got to shop around on this one. If you want to get your money in and there can be some, some value out there. Um, I don't know that I agree with the book's perception that we need to take a, a guy on a bad team. That's going to make them good to me. Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander is not a guy that I want to bet because here's the problem. I think that the thunder want draft picks, the thunder yeah. want to, to, to sure. tank. And if Shea does play so well that he deserves most improved, he's not going to play at the end of the season. Cause they're going to like give him a hangnail and let him sit on the bench the last couple of months so that they can lose enough games to get their draft pick. Yep. Or he's going to play so well that maybe they traded him. You know, we, we, we heard some of those whispers this off season. So that's my worry with him is like, it's not a, it's not worried about his talent or the numbers or any of that. It's just, I don't know if he's going to get, if he is that good, is he going to get enough games? And also, is he already that good? Like for most yeah. improved, you really need a jump in the numbers um, you know, it, it always comes back to the numbers on these and I feel it, like well, his numbers uh, are so good. I want to push back on that real slightly. Isn't this one award that we can kind of look at and say maybe of all of the, num- of all of outside yeah. maybe DPOY because so much of it is about like just reputation. Um, I would say that this one, I don't necessarily know if the numbers predicated because so often it's basically, it's a latency award, right? Where yeah. they were good the year before and then they were, they were, they were just as good, but, like better the next yeah. year, especially in terms yeah. of the impact and the team got a little I, I see it that way, but the way I see it is that you are essentially making the jump into an all-star. Like when you look at those, when you look at those listed names that you gave, the only two guys who weren't all-stars were CJ. The improvement numbers. And Ryan Anderson. I was trying to, I was trying to get, I was trying to like navigate this conversation and avoid the all-star, the word all-star so I could drop this nugget in. Um, We'll get to that in just one second. Brandon, have you done, like, I, I am curious yeah. if you've done, like, the number of work on this to, to show. Since Paul George and Fords, that was 2013 Ford. The last nine, like Raheem said, these are guys who, like, we, we get stuck on, oh, this guy was terrible as a young player, and now he's kind of okay, most improved. Or, oh, this guy was kind of a fringe player, and now he's, you know, Jeremy Grant putting up some points in Detroit, most improved. That's just not the award that we give. We give the award to a pretty good player who makes a leap to a higher ground. So I, I looked at the numbers and actually the, the number the, the stats do play in here. It, it's a pretty consistent profile. So out of these last nine, two of the nine CJ McCollum and Pascal Siakam, the numbers don't really work well because they basically went from not playing to playing a lot. And like mm-hmm. they, they, neither one of them was even much in the rotations. So they skew the numbers a little bit. But if you look at all nine, here's here's the numbers from the season before and then the numbers from the season after. Uh, and this does include Siakam and McCollum in there. But from the season before winning, these guys average 14 points, five and a half boards, three assists. Season after, 21 points, six and a half boards, four and a half assists. 
the rebounds and the assists, that's just going up with their time. They're playing a little bit more. That's the case with all these players. That's, that's a given, but that's a 50% increase in points per game. Another thing too, like this is not a real surprise, but pretty much everyone in here is age 22 to 26. Dragic was 27, but he's the only outlier from that perspective. Uh, so really, if you look at the profile, we're looking for someone that right now is averaging about 15 and five and is in their like age 22 to 26 season. And you need somebody who's going from like a 15 points a game score to a 20 points a game score while the other good stuff happens around them. And to me, that helps because that, that narrows the field a little bit. Um, and that is, I love Michael Porter Jr. I love the case for him. The, the role is obvious there. The problem is he already averaged 19 points a game yeah. last year. Yeah. So then is there enough room for a jump? If he needs to go up five, is he going to put up 25 a game? Like that's, that's a lot. The thing is like, I think yeah. you can absolutely do that. <laughs> like, sure. Especially with no Murray for, for half the year. Uh, to your point. So I looked up while we were doing this, I looked up per 36s mm-hmm. for, for Brandon and CJ, uh, Brandon mm-hmm. Ingram, not Anderson. Uh, yeah. And CJ went from 15.7 per 36 to 21.6. So it's almost a five point jump. Ingram uh, per 36 went from uh, 17.3, or I'm sorry, 19.4 to 25.3 per 36. So again, you've got about a five to six point jump here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty consistent. Yeah. This is one of the notes that I had. Uh, great Twitter follow if you're into NBA betting is at noops N O O P S. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. he is absolutely Alex Christensen. He's on you better, you bet quite often. Uh, he and I've been talking, he showed me this info and I was like captivated by it. Uh, he did an article on it on, on his work as well. This is like, I will boil it down to this seven out of the last most improved players have made the all-star team. So of the My last approach is going to be, I'm not going to bet most improved now. Like we're talking about it. We'll figure out what the best value is. I'll ask you guys about your bet. Now I will tell you that I'm going to wait and see what 22 to 26 year old makes the all-star team. And then I'm going to put money in on them because, because we didn't figure, I mean, this was honestly like I fault myself on this. I think you guys were, you guys had the idea, but we just didn't talk about it on the podcast about Randall. Like I didn't start talking about Randall really until March, like after all-star break is when I started to be like, you know, Randall might be in that conversation. And then by the end of the season, it was like, oh yeah, it's definitely not Jeremy Grant. It's absolutely going to be Julius Randall. Like yeah. the number on Randall, I remember us watching it. It went from like Randall plus yeah. 200 to Randall minus 600 in a span of about two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So I think we need to look at the all-star returns. The, the yeah. minute those first all-star returns come out in January, that's when we need to need to hit yeah. it is we need to look yeah. at it and go, who is 22 to 26 that is within range of that conversation. Now it may be a coach's selection, but we'll start with the, with those guys. Sure. And then we can go there and then wait and see, you know, if we don't like the number, then if we don't, if there's not like an obvious candidate, hopefully the, the juice won't be completely drained by that point. But like, that's mm-hmm. going to be my approach is I'm going to wait and I'm going to look for whoever it is that the player between 22, the young player that becomes an actual, and this, I do think is a change from previous seasons. Like I, I think there's been a shift over the the last like stretch of time because yeah. like 2005 was Bobby Simmons 2006 was yeah. Boris Diaw right yeah. 2007 Monte Ellis okay a little bit more a little, little bit more towards what we're talking about 2008 was Hito Turkaloo yeah. all-star caliber 
2009 was Danny Granger, all-star caliber, but 2010 was like Aaron Brooks. And that's kind of like more of who we think of with like a lot of this is like there are these guys that are like fringe dudes that make a big jump to starter. And we're like, oh, they're most improved. But in reality, like what this really is, it's it's basically like before you become perennial all-star, it's what year do you make that jump? to start being a perennial all-star in most of these yep. cases. Yeah. So uh, I think, and even CJ, I think is an exception to this rule. Right. And CJ probably, if you played on a different team might be in range, like, especially if you played the Easter conference, CJ might've been, been uh, an all-star more often. So that's gonna be my approach. Brandon, yeah. I want to start with you. What you're saying is true that like most improved has gone from, you know, we, I talked about like the different types of improvement and we've really zeroed in on that single singular type of improvement now that that's the guy we're going to give. And it's telling them when you look at the books and like Zion Williamson is a top five candidate, like what are we yeah. doing? Zion is awesome. And was the number one pick and like a transcendent candidate. That's that doesn't feel like what this award is supposed to be for. We already know Zion is awesome and getting better. Like we don't need an award for him. His award is called MVP conversation yeah. and he's going to get there. Soon. Yeah, <laughs> about, I was about to say, we're going to talk about Zion next week, which is what we're doing the MVP yeah. conversation. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, um, I, I want an award for Bobby Simmons and, and Aaron Brooks. And like to me, to my takeaway, I, I do feel like I completely missed on the Julius Randall thing. Like looking back on the season, I, I just we talked about it and we just never got there. I think I was I was too locked in on Jalen Brown and kept waiting for it. To me, the takeaway is this. Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood were two of the names that kept being on that leaderboard all year long. And the guys that we kept talking about, they're just, to me, not, they were, they were a half step below the level that of, of player. I mean, for me, I'm going to be honest with you. I the two names that I mentioned during the year were Zach Levine and, and um Julius Randle. And I thought Zach Levine would eventually get there because I thought he was going to lead the Bulls to the playoffs. And I thought the, the Knicks would eventually regress, but at some point the Knicks just continued to win. So I think that's that's a big part of why we we probably like if the Bulls had made the playoffs, do we think Levine wins? Yeah, I think so. Like if the I Bulls, if specifically, let, let's let's swap them more specifically. Let's say that the Bulls are in the five spot and the Knicks fall to, to ten. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Levine yeah. gets it, and I think that's the thing that held them back. I think you know they had the they had the COVID struggles. He was out with COVID for a while, and then I just think the Knicks were just they had a dream season. I mean, they we saw all year they covered the first half a million times. So I just think everything lined up for them. So that's that's maybe part of the equation too. Is when you look at twenty two to twenty six year olds who are in the All Star conversation at the very least, who are on teams that are within striking range of the playoffs. Like when was the last guy that we had that was genuinely on like a bad team, right? Like the Pelicans missed the playoffs, but they were in the conversation in 20. They were within range in the West. Yeah. Uh, Siakam, Raptors, obviously. Oladipo, Pacers, yes. Giannis, Bucks, yes. CJ, Blazers, yes. Butler, uh, Bulls, yes. Dragic, Suns, yes. I mean, Aaron Brooks in 2009, the Rockets were 42 and 40. Yeah. So I think that's the probably, I mean, actually it's probably Kevin Love because, you know, those Minnesota teams weren't good. Right. They were 17 to 65 with, with yeah, Kevin Love. Love. So, I mean, we're, but we got a, a solid stretch here. So like, really, this is going to be, this, this shouldn't be that hard. Of, like, I've always thought this word is kind of difficult to discern, but I think we may actually have a model here. If we go, you got to increase your statistical output by at least five points. You got to be in the, in the MVP or an MVP in the all-star conversation. And your team has to be in the, in the playoff discussion. And if you hit all three of those boxes and I don't know if you like CJ, I think isn't it is an exception in that he wasn't the best player on his team. Right. Like if we look back through this, like Randall was the best player on his team in 2020, I think Ingram because of Zion's injuries was probably the best player on his team. I don't know that you need to be the best player in your team. Like yeah. Siakam definitely wasn't the best on his team. Yeah, Siakam and wasn't. Yeah. Giannis at the time, I don't know that he was nec- like, for sure the best honestly. Yeah, he was the best player on his team. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, <laughs> like Paul George back from his season when he won was, was like, you know, like guys who were in the conversation, but not like a transcendent star, the star on the team yet, even though some of them got there later. Yeah. So I don't know that you need to be, no, a guy I don't think you team. have to have it. I think it might help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, okay. I think it's key. Okay. Can I, can I throw some names for you guys? Yeah. Go okay. Brandon. Let's go Brandon first and then Raheem. All right. So first name that I got, this is a name that I actually had among my top candidates a year ago, and it just really never happened. It didn't get there all season. And then in the playoffs, he was, he was doing great. I like DeAndre Ayton. He's 50 to mm-hmm. one at bet MGM. Mm-hmm. He went from 14 and 10 in the regular season to 16 and 12 in the playoffs. And we talked about him all playoff long, like the narrative and the idea of DeAndre Ayton being good it's already the thing that we've been talking about the whole playoffs and the Suns are good. I think that there's a chance that Aiton could slide into the all-star conversation in, in the West. I think like center, there's a little bit of room there and it could also be a, a spot where as Chris Paul is getting older, we get a little less CP during the regular season, a little bit more with Aiton. Uh, really the problem with him is that he still has some of those kind of muted games, but uh, what, what do we think about Aiton? He's, He's age 23. He, he's on a team that's going to be good for sure. Um, I'm a little – like we saw during the playoffs, how many times did they struggle to feed eight? And, you know, Matt always mentioned it. Like these, these guards aren't willing to, you know, necessarily feed a guy in the post. And as good as Aiden is, I just don't know if he's going to get the spotlight needed for to win that award. So I, I'm a little worried about that. I think for me it's, it's probably – Here's here's something interesting with it. Uh, his per 36s, he was at 19 his rookie season, 20 his second season, and he only played 38 games that season, and then 17 last year. So he went down in per 36s, which makes sense, right? Like they added they added Chris Paul, they added Jay Crowder, they were a playoff team. Uh, there's so like Chris is gonna have a high enough usage, and they shot a lot of threes. They're a really perimeter-oriented team. Aiden operates as the threat to open up the offense to provide the mm-hmm. spacing. But I don't know that he's ever going to get the kind of consistent diet that he would need to do that. The other thing is that his performance is always going to be predicated on, like, there will always be a, well, yeah, he's getting 25 points a game. He's got CP3 feeding him seven times a game. And mm-hmm. so uh, when we look back at the history of the award – how many big men do we have on this list? Like Siakam's a ball handling forward, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Giannis is a ball handling forward. Julius Randall's a ball handling forward going back. Like you got to go back to, I mean, even Kevin Love was like a do it all stretch four. Yeah. You got to go back to Zach Randolph, 2004 for a post-up threat and 2002 to Jermaine O'Neal. I don't mind it. But here's part of the problem is, okay, Suns are coming off of this long run. CP3 is going to be 36. CP3 is probably taking some games off, right? Except that CP3 is off the court. I don't know that they go more towards Aiton. I think that actually lowers his chances yeah. of, of picking up buckets. And so I, yeah. I think, honestly, maybe your biggest problem here is your, is your starting premise, which is like the numbers. Yeah, I don't I think know so, how yeah. he's going to put up the numbers for it. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I think with Aiden, if if he's going to win, it's going to have to be a little bit more of a narrative thing where it's like mm-hmm. for, for years, he's been the punchline of the Doncic trade and of is he living up to the billing? And now we all saw it. We saw we saw him living up to it. We saw how important he is to the team. So I think you need that. But you're right. It kind of goes against the numbers thing. So 
Here's my next guy. This is a numbers thing, though. My fear with him is that he's too good already. John Morant. John Morant is at plus 3,500 on FanDuel. So last season, he put up 44 in the opener. First two games, he averaged 36 and eight assists. And then he got hurt in the third game. I don't really think he ever got totally healthy again after that. And remember, Memphis had a super cramped schedule the second half of the year because of all the COVID stuff. The problem is Morant was already at 19 and seven this year. I think he's too good, but he very easily fits into that, like leap into the all-star status. And, and it wouldn't be shocking to see him get up to like a, a 24 and nine sort of season. So what do you think about Morant? He checks the boxes, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. He was actually a guy who I had on my list as well. Um, so I, I, I 100% agree with you. I think he could easily jump. He could easily jump to 25 points or so yeah. and make the All Star team and lead the Grizzlies into the playoffs. So, but it's like he already kind of has that that view of being really good. So I think it's gonna. Be, that's the only thing that's kind of holding me back. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, he checks the boxes. I can see him jumping to 25. I can see him making the All Star team. And I can see the Grizzlies wanting, like I like the Grizzlies quite a bit to either be like a six or a seven this year. And in that spot, like I think you're in a pretty good position for them, for him to, like he checks all the boxes. So my my favorite of the picks, I actually like Michael Porter Jr. Like it, it not necessarily at six, seven, 800, but if he's, I, I bet him at 1600 at points, but he's still 1400 there. So I think that's who I would play. Here's my favorite candidate, though, that I came upon. This is another guy that I was looking at last year, but I like the situation much better for him. OG Ananobi. So this is a little bit lower down the list. So I see the puzzled face. So here's why. So Ananobi has gone from six to seven to 10 and a half to 16 points a game. Kyle Lowry is gone. So there's a lot more usage and points and shots available there. Siakam could be gone. Like, we don't really know what's happening with Toronto. Ananobi is not going anywhere but some of those other guys could, could leave and leave even more usage there. We have a lot of history of like really talented athletic wings, slowly adding to their offensive game to already supplement or complement like a really great defense like him. He shot this year, 48, 40 and 78 this year's at 16, five and two. So couldn't he get to 21, six and three or four, add a little bit of playmaking or handling a little bit. He's age 24. It's the East. So it's a little bit easier path to an all-star berth. He's 66 to one right now. I think he's a really, really strong fit for it. Matt, you don't like it. No, um, well, I mean, I try and keep in mind with you that you have a really good eye for trying to spot these things from way far out. And then they wind up looking good. I'm trying to like, remember that. So I'm not trying to be yeah. like, you're insane. This isn't like the rebounding thing, um, which you're still insane. Hey. Here's my real concern is I think you're in a similar spot with Shea, honestly where I have read the comments from Mosai Ujiri at his return press conference as this is a year where they are stepping back and trying yeah. to figure out how are they going to compete for a title? And if they're stepping back, then I think there's a pretty decent chance that OG either uh, gets sat as they try and tank out the rest sure. of the season. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you're all about the future, and OG is your guy, like he's the franchise going forward, then but, shouldn't you be putting the ball in his hands okay. and letting him play uh, and make and shoot? I will go ahead and tell this. This Look, I hear a lot of things, and I report on them if I can get multiple angles and if I can trust them. There was a lot of conversation about OG this summer. I personally think that it was bullshit. 
that's me personally is that I was to me, it makes so little sense for them to trade him that I could not see any way to be like, I trust this enough to report it. Like it was never like I heard from somebody in the Raptors that like, Oh yeah, we're trying to move OG. That was not what it was. And it wasn't like I heard from a team that was like, yeah, we talked about trading for OG. It was just like people around the league were making noise about, you know what I heard. And that can be like a lot of different reasons. However, in the context of like, I'm not pulling a Brian Windhorse, don't aggregate me, but yes, I am saying don't aggregate. Cause like, I'm telling you, I heard stuff that I truly do not believe, but in the context of this, like, I'm not going to like, I am in no way, shape or form reporting that the Raptors considered or talked about trading OG and because I don't trust the Intel that I got, but I did hear it from enough different places to where I'm like, I, if he gets traded to a team that has a lot of different weapons, your chances are gone. Yeah, I agree. And that, that additional kind of element there. Plus like, even if like, let's say that this works out, he stays, he doesn't get dealt. They don't tank. Are the Raptors going to be good enough for for, like, he has to get the numbers and the Raptors have to be good enough. And in the East, even with Westbrook going West, like I still think you're going to have an all-star crunch with a number of good guards. So I I think that one's pretty tough. I like of the three that you mentioned, you had jaw, you had OG. Who's your first one? DeAndre Aiden. I probably like jaw the best of the three. Yeah. Well, all right. Oh, Raheem, what, are your, what are yours? Yeah, Raheem, you. Well, yeah. Who else you got? I got two. Um, this one's a little risky because he's already averaging twenty-five points. But I would really like De'Aaron Fox at plus twenty-seven hundred. I just think that's a little steep. I think he's a guy who can really jump into that All-Star category. Last year, he only shot thirty-two percent from three. I think his jump shots can be better this year. I see him. He could honestly average 28, 29 points this year and, you know, really make that leap into an all-star category. So at plus 2,700, I think there's some value there. I mean, when I look at the list of names, I mean, you got Zion Williamson, you got Zach Levine at plus 1,800. You got Zion Williamson at plus 900. You got Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is another one I like. I think he can make a leap, especially if he's bringing the Bulls into the playoffs. I think, you know, my favorite three right now are De'Aaron Fox plus 2,700, I like John Moran and I like Lonzo Ball. So what I like about Fox is that if I think if you're betting on Fox, you're also betting on Sacramento. So I don't like that because I don't want to bet on Sacramento, but if you want to bet on Sacramento, like to get the Kings back in the playoffs for the first time since the 1700s, like Fox is going to get credit for that. He's going to be the guy leading there and that's going to be a big story in his favor. So if you want to bet on Fox, that's what you're betting on and you got to get the numbers in there too. I don't like Lonzo as much because I feel like the numbers are going to are struggle with him. Like you're going to have DeRozan and Levine and Vucevic all putting up shots and numbers. And I just don't know where Lonzo's statistical profile is going to come from. I, I like Fox a lot. That checks yeah. all of our boxes. Takes yeah. a team. They're going to be in playoff contention. If he puts up the numbers and the Kings are good, he'll definitely be an all-star nod has a narrative push. It's better value than betting the Kings to make the playoffs. And if they make the playoffs, then De'Aaron Fox is the reason why. And he's in the conversation for most improved. I and, you know, the funny, th- the, the funny thing about that one is, you know, BetMGM has it at plus 1,800. But there's some other books that have it at plus 2,700. And I just think that that's just too much value for a guy who can really make that leap. Yeah. What I, all I would say about Fox is, to me, everything we just said about Fox is a good case for him. It's just that we can make the identical arguments, all of it, for John Morant. And they're better uh, yeah. for John Moran. Uh, I'll go back on that a little bit because I think the perception right now is that Jaw's better than Fox. 
Yeah. Like Jaw's like a Jaw's like a megastar already, even though his numbers aren't all that impressive. Like I love Jaw mm-hmm. as a Memphis mm-hmm. guy. But I think the perception of like the perception of Jaw is that it's like him and Zion are like relatively same. Like this is what conversation you'll see on Twitter a lot, which is like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, the Pelicans got Zion, but like the Grizzlies got like a franchise guy, like Jaw's a bad dude. Right. Yeah. Versus like Fox is really kind of lost in the mix. And so I think Fox has even a, a better chance because I worry about Jaw being held to the standard of like, okay, he made this leap, but we kind of expected him to. Like he's a superstar versus Fox goes from being like, oh, yeah, they're really, you know, he's really good out in Sacramento to be like, no, Fox is a problem. Right. Yeah. So I think I, of, the, of all of them, I got to say, like, I, I personally, I think I like Fox the best, but I'm going to wait for All Star. Let's, uh, let's talk sex, man. Last year, we knew Jordan Clarkson was going to be it by early in the season. By the time that we started talking about it, the juice was already too much and the value was gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Raheem liked Jordan Clarkson from the jump. That's his victory lap. He liked him all the way from the start. <laughs> Brandon made a desperate midseason push for Joe Ingles, trying desperately to create the conversation uh, on Twitter. Ultimately fell short, but the Ingles did finish second. So you could have done a bet and cash out if your book allows that and probably got made a pretty penny on cash out. I'm just going to start here with this, the, like this whole discussion point. Um, is there any play, but who's going to wind up putting up points? Like, is there, does anything else matter except like, I, I want this to be an award about plus minus. I think that's a, I think that's a better way to judge bench players is who comes in and actually holds your team up or makes the starters better. One of the two, it never is. Brandon, is there any play here except play the points? No, you got, you got to play the points. Mm. The only thing that I would add is you gotta play the points and they have to matter on like a good team. You need to you need to be on a team that matters and you have to hit the points. Those are the two things. Joe Ingles is just not gonna win. I'm the Joe Ingles guy. I fought for him all year. That's the 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 plus minus darlings and the Vorps and the Schwarps and all that. That's, that's, that's <laughs> not what we give out. It's not it's not the award. We we can want it all we want. We can talk about it in the Twitterverse all we want, but the Clarksons are gonna win. Like the last 10 winners has been nine shooting guard scores and then Montrez Harrell. So here's, here's the last, just quickly, Jordan Clarkson is going, going from present backwards, Clarkson, Harrell, Lou Williams, twice in a row, Eric Gordon, Jamal Crawford, Lou again, Craw again, J.R. Smith, James Harden. There's just a lot of scores. It's, it's shooting guard scores. They averaged those 10, 17.9 points a game. They also averaged a 53 win season. And that's that's going by pace for some of these recent years where the wins got thrown off. So that to me was interesting that that stood out. Looking back, Lou Williams in 2018 is the only one of the last 10 that was under 48 wins and not on a playoff team. He had he was 42 and 20 that year. Otherwise, all of our winners are 48 wins and higher. And they're typically on like a top six to eight team. So that actually narrows the profile quite a bit. If we've got Mm -hmm. to have a bench score on a top eight contending team that scores a ton of points. There just aren't a lot of options left if that's the case. Yeah. All right, Raheem, I want to know, let's, let's go ahead and get, I want to get the picks and then we can talk about some of the other candidates. Uh, who Who's on your list and how, how are you thinking about approaching this award, Raheem? I mean, it's Derek Rose. I mean, I think, I mean, that's the first one that jumps out to me. He plays in the New York market. I think there, he has a narrative about him because he played so well in the playoffs. And we all know that Derek Rose, he probably should have, I mean, without the injuries, he probably would have been a Hall of Famer. You know, he's going to be the only MVP in the history of the league to probably not make the Hall of Fame, but he's 
He's going to be playing on the Knicks team. It's going to get a lot of coverage. You know, they got Evan Fournier. They got, you know, Julius Randle. They got, you know, a nice young team. And he's going to be coming off the bench and scoring for a team that's going to make the playoffs. At plus 1,800, I think he's the guy who stands out. Um, if it's not him, I'm going with Tyler Harrow at, at plus 3,000. I mean, both of these guys are putting up almost 15 points a game. They're going to continue to do so next year. And they're going to have the green light in the moments where they're coming off the bench. So those are the two guys I'm going with. I, I like those. I like. I hadn't considered Rose, but he seems like definitely a guy who could be a front runner for this. Hero is on my list, a, a little bit off of my list, but definitely a guy that I could see be in the mix at, at 15 points a game from last year. So when I, I started looking at this, I, I pulled the NBA.com numbers for uh, bench players in terms of scoring. You've got Rose. Clarkson was at was at 18.3. Uh, Rose was at 14.6. Uh, playing about a minute less, but you've got four assists for Rose to 2.4 for Clarkson. I think the assist will help out a little bit. I do think that Rose probably has the best value. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always skeptical to kind of like, I'm always cautious about wanting to talk about Rose based off of his history of allegations. Yeah. But yeah. I do think like, if we're just, if we're going to talk about this from a betting standpoint, I don't know how to, how to really get around it because if we look at the guys that put up numbers, Rose is, I think, on that list. Absolutely. Hero, like, I don't, I just don't know what, to, like, I don't know what to make of what they're, of how the Heat feel about him or how he fits with Lowry now on. I, I don't know, like, really what to do with it. I really don't. Yeah. So uh, I, that, that one's one where I just feel like maybe mm-hmm. wait, see what. Yeah, that, that's definitely one to wait. Yeah. If you want that preseason, I think Rose is a really good bet. Um, yeah. I think you got to move on that, like, ASAP because yeah. it's just like, even with, you know, with Clarkson, the Clarkson bet, that was, you know, that opened like 15 or something to one. And by the time, you know, the regular season started, it was down to seven to one. So I think, yeah. you know, you definitely want to jump on Rose. Yeah, yeah I, I think mean, Ro- got- Rose is a really obvious cash out opportunity, too, because, yeah. you know, he's going to at the very least, unless he has a, a big injury, you know, he's going to have like a big month and the Knicks are going to be in the news and his odds are going to, you know, drop way down and give you at least a chance to get some money and get out at that point if you want. Rose is 18 to one about points bet, uh, and bet MGM. So yeah, you're like 18 to one on that number. Uh, Brandon, what are your picks? So, uh, I'm convinced on Rose. I didn't have him on my list, but I think that that's probably actually better than my plays here. Uh, the guys I'm looking at, uh, I don't know that I can see the numbers quite getting there. I was struggling to find who is going to hit the points per game that we need to. I don't want to bet Clarkson. I just feel like last year, it, it can't go any better than it did last year. His scoring is not going to go up any more than it already did. The Jazz have the best record in the league. We've only had one repeat winner in this category since Detlef Schrempf in the early 90s. So it's just not a thing. You know, yeah. we, well, one back-to-back repeat. We love to give it to the same guy over and over again, just not necessarily in a row. So here's the names that I like. So first guy, Patty Mills. Yeah. I don't know if he can get there on the numbers. But I think Brooklyn, we talked about this last week. I think Brooklyn is going to, they're going to rotate injuries through and, and rest their guys. Patty, if we get Olympic Patty, you know, he just coming off of that, they, Australia got their gold, their, their bronze medal win. So that was a big deal. Patty has widely been considered one of the best bench players in the NBA. So I think that he could get some kind of career achievement buzz a little bit of just like, hey, wait, Patty has never won this. How is that possible? I could see that a little bit. And the, the problem is his career high is 11.6 points a game. And he was going to have to get to like 17, 18, 19. That's a big jump. 
even even in Brooklyn, where he's going to get a lot of shots up. So I like him at 1800, but I don't know if the points are there. I was yeah. also, we talked in our Slack yesterday about who are the Lakers starters. And the reason I was asking is because I'm kind of thinking about either Kendrick Nunn or Carmelo Anthony. One or, one or both of those guys is going to be a bench scorer for that team. They're going to be the Lakers. So we're going to talk about them. They're going to score a bunch. That's what both of them are on the team for. So, you know, I assume obviously Westbrook, LeBron and Davis are starters. Horton Tucker is probably a starter. We don't know necessarily the, the last starter. None scored 18 points per 36 the last two years. Uh, Carmelo is at 13 and a half points a game this season. I don't know if either of them can get to the numbers now we are replacing like Harold and Kuzma. That was the bench scoring this year. So uh, both of those are on my radar. And then here's my long shot one. Mm. Again, looking for a scorer on a good team, Grayson Allen. I like how he fits in Milwaukee. He's 66 to one right now. And there's, it's a, it's a thin bench. You have to assume Milwaukee is probably going to ease off the gas pedal a little bit this year. Now that they've won maybe. So that should mean a little bit more bench rotation. Allen might get a little extra time early in the year with Dante DiVincenzo still being hurt and coming back last year. Bryn Forbes averaged 10 points a game in 19 minutes. So what if you increase those minutes by 50% could Grayson get to 15, 16, 17 a game. He's a good shooter. They need a scoring out there. Uh, he's, he's a big name on, on what now is a big team. Um, so those, those are the guys I've got my eye on, but I kind of think I like Derek Rose better. Um, I think, you know, Patty stood out to me, but I mean, the, the thing you have to realize with the Nets is that they're going to have one of Kyrie, Durant, and Harden on the court at all times. So it's going to be hard for him to, you know, really overcome that. So I think that's the guy I really want to stay away from. The other two I'm not too mad at. So we talk about a lot of times about MVP, about one, two, like two teammates basically splitting votes, right? Like if you're going to yeah. vote for a guy on a team, they, they both wind up getting a share. I honestly think your six-man problem with Grayson Allen is Bobby Portis. I think yeah. that Portis is going to yeah. wind up getting some of the, like, I don't hate Portis as he's on the list and I don't think he, he's a bad option. Um, I just think the only reason I won't go in on Portis is I'm just like, we have too much of a history of guards. It's just, right. it's just guard. Yeah. After guard after yeah that's guard. why I wanted the shooting guard there, but you're right. Portis is going to split the vote a little bit, especially as much hype as he got in the playoffs. My Laker concern is that even though I think that they got Russ in part to give LeBron some nights off, I still think LeBron will play more games than he doesn't. And in those games, they're absolutely going to stagger. And then you got somebody that's so ball dominant on the floor at all times. Like you don't have any, sh- like Kendrick Nunn may, may play really well, but it's going to be in a spot up role and he, you know, spot up pump fake, get to the, but everything's gonna be created by Russell LeBron. I think like Clarkson, Jamal Crawford, those guys, Pat, like Lou Williams, those guys take the ball and they create their own buckets. And I don't know how many opportunities any of the Lakers are going to have to do that. Uh, I do have, I've got a long shot for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, if we look at the list and uh, it's hard to find him at some of these books, you're going to have to <laughs> mm, request it. Uh, Jordan Poole. Yeah. Yo, it's so funny. I'm, I, yep. I just had a conversation because I met up with Jonathan Van Tobel from VEASAN the other night. And that's the Congrats. same guy he, he mentioned as well. So I really like that one. That's a good one. Uh, last year, minimum of 30 games played off the bench and minimum 15 minutes per game. Jordan Clarkson was number one at 24.9 per 36 minutes. Jordan Poole was second at 22.1. 
in 44 mm-hmm. games. They've cleared out some of the other guys on that bench that are probably going to take more of the ball out of his hands. Um, I imagine Steph plays more, not less this season, but I do think that there's room on that offense. Like that's the good news with Steph. He's not ball dominant. So yeah. you, you still get these opportunities for creation from him. He also averaged 3.5 assists for 36. If you're looking at anybody, I really do think that Jordan Poole is probably like a really good option to go in on this. Yeah. He's not my favorite guy at DraftKings. Jordan Poole is plus 3,500. 35 to win to one, Brandon. That's your kind of number <laughs> to win six. Yeah, man no, I like pool. Pool was on my list of guys to consider. If you're out on the Warriors, you're probably out on pool. If you're in on the Warriors, you're probably in on both Steph for MVP and pool for yeah. six man of the year. And, and maybe one of those, one of those two hits. Um, I think too, that this award is interesting because I do think that there is some value to bet it right now because mm. so I, I don't like Clarkson is the favorite but repeat winners just are not a thing that we do. So that means that the favorite is maybe not on the board. Also at most books, there's two other names that are in like the top five or six names that I don't like them either. I don't like Goran Dragic for this award for a lot of reasons, because I don't know if he's going to be on the bench. I don't know if he's going to be playing. I don't know if he's going to get traded to Dallas or like what's happening with him. You know, if, if he is staying in Toronto, does he play the second half of the season? The other one is Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton is great, but doesn't fit this profile at all. He's not going to be a gunner putting up a lot of points. And also he should be starting. He should be in the lineup for the Kings. And like, you're not getting a refund if you bet on a guy right now. And then it turns out he's a starter. The book's not going to be like, oh, sorry, this was for six man. Well, here's your money back. No, like you have to bet on a guy that's not starting. So that's another reason to like Derek Rose, because like we already know that's his thing. One more name that I need the books to put on. The goddamn list is the Anthony Melton. Let yeah. me lose money to you, books. Let, <laughs> let me give you money. I'm trying to give you money, sports books. Please put the Anthony Melton on. Uh, he averaged a whole of 9.6 points per game last season. The number that he would have to jump to to be in this conversation is categorically insane. There is no reason not to let me give you my money for the Anthony Melton. I love the Anthony Melton for six man of the year. I think that he's going to be a key player on a playoff team. I think he closes games for them. If you want the biggest reason why all those numbers were truncated, Brandon, cause I see you shaking your head. The reason that all those numbers were truncated is because of the justice Winslow problem. Like if you literally look at the, at the, at like the rotation, the biggest problem was justice Winslow. They did not know, like the Grizzlies spent a lot of the year trying to figure out what they were doing. Like they were like, well, we have Tyus and we like Tyus mm-hmm. and we got to play starters a lot. And, oh, we need to get like, we got to get something out of justice because otherwise we're going to have to decline the option, which they eventually did. If they just like settle down and go to a tighter eight man rotation with Tyus picking up whatever extra minutes, DeAnthony's going to put up good numbers, great numbers. I think he can do a lot more. The shooting is there. There's all of these things. I love DeAnthony. I think there's a really good shot here for DeAnthony Melton. You should light your money on fire. Like, DeAnthony Melton is your Joe Ingles. You're going to talk about this all year (laughs) and it's never happening. I love Melton. I think he's Mm. great. I think he's an important part of the team. I think he should start on that team, which is part of the problem. You can't win six man of the year from the starting lineup. You also can't win it from nine points a game. This is not the guy that wins this award. He is not fitting the profile. He only played 20. So here's, here's part of the, the concept here. Just as I, as I desperately try and make this an idea. 
he averaged, he did average last season 16 for 36 and that was on 20 minutes per game. So higher usage, fewer mouths to feed five more minutes that gets us within range of 19. We're in range of the 19 that we need. Do you agree that we need about 19? I think we need like 17. At least yeah, I think, I think, I think we're honestly, I think almost in range. I'm going to be honest with you. You can do it at 15, 16. Yeah. It's just, you kind of got to be on a team that's going to make some noise. Also, we're going to, we're going to see, we're going to see how much like pull on Twitter I have, because if I just start banging out, look at the Anthony mountains plus minus look at the Anthony amount. If I start sending that to every single writer that has a vote that I know, if I'm just hammering this over and over again, we'll see if we can't get this to move. Uh, I, I, what are, what are, it on the board. I, uh, I found an odds. Man, what, what are his odds? Deontay not on the board. At, he's up at 200 to one right now on the R and B sports book. So uh, that's the Raheem and Brandon sports book, 200 <laughs> to one, just get your money in. Now we will invest. No, no. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. I can actually win. Matt has felt so strongly about this that I'm, I'm kind of willing to take a flyer on it. If we can get the right price. All right, I love Brandon sports, but I'll take both your money. Um, win totals. We're going to get out of here, but I did want to talk real briefly about win totals. We're going to do like a full win totals episode when we get closer to the season. NBA schedule came out last week. And there's a, a whole rundown of information. There's this idea that the schedule has absolutely no impact on your year. That's absolute bullshit. I am telling you right now, the biggest differential in regular season performance is injury. And what's the biggest cause of injury? Fatigue. This mm-hmm. is why our guy, Justin Fan, professional sports better, has an entire system up that you can get on actionnetwork.com through the pro tools that literally just shows you which teams are at a rest disadvantage for that night and how bad it is. When you play teams matters too. If you're looking at a team that's trying to make the playoffs, if you're looking, if you're debating, um, you know, I really like this team. I think they can make the playoffs. Go look at their late season schedule, because if you play in the Eastern conference 0.55 ball and you play that through the all-star break, but then your back half of your schedule is a goddamn nightmare guess what? You're going to slide out and you're not going to make the playoffs. You're going to be in the play and you're going to be in danger of that bet. Keep an eye on that. And you can bet it later. Like you're still going to yeah. like, that's the good thing about the market and how it's expanded to make the playoffs has actually gotten to where you can bet that later as we get mm-hmm. closer to the end of the regular season. Good example of this, which we'll talk about when we get to win totals, the Clippers have five sets of five games and seven nights, according to, but I got that from fly by night on Twitter. Justin Russo covers the Clippers. That's insane. It's brutal. If you're looking for teams that have a really like, let's say that you're thinking about the Lakers and you're like, I kind of want to bet them on the over. They have the easiest schedule outside of the jazz that I've seen the Lakers extra games. Cause some teams this year, going back to 82, you play four games against certain opponents. Sometimes in those games, they're facing teams like the Kings four times. Cause they're in division, the thunder, uh, and I believe the Rockets, they have bottom dwellers as their extra games wow. versus the top end teams. Almost mm. like the NBA would really like the Lakers not to make the play in game again. See, you said that my thought is like this, this entire schedule is our bad LeBron. That was the way I thought of when I saw the Lakers number. <laughs> wow. uh, I mentioned nukes earlier, Alex Christensen. He showed me this yesterday. He's actually got opponents title chances. So if you convert all of the title odds to percentage chance and then you average them the portland trailblazers have the toughest opponent schedule in the league they face the most num- like the highest average title contention over the course of the season and their schedule is brutal and they have everything else going on so my big thing is there's a site called positive residual it's got a great stats tool for you to analyze the schedule if you are betting win totals right now 
I strongly advise that you go take a look at their schedule first. You don't have to bet based on it. I'm not saying that, but use that as part of the vast amount of info. Like we're all about trying to integrate as much information as we can on this podcast. And I definitely think that if you're betting win totals, do not ignore what kind of schedule that team is going to have. And you have to put it in context, like, oh, they have a really tough back half of the schedule, but we know that they're going to be good and they're going to be facing other teams that have already locked position and are probably resting late. Like, you're actually your most dangerous games late in the season. Everyone else looks at the beginning of the season because they're all excited for when the season starts. I always go to the back end because I want to see, oh, shit, these teams are going to be facing uh, opponents who are fighting them for the exact same seeds that are going to be about as good as them. And those, I think, are, are a real dangerous spot. So here's my question for you, Matt. So you've done the work on this. So based on what you've seen on the scheduling so far, who tell me one team that you think maybe can contend for the one seed or, or, or near the top that you might not have considered otherwise. And tell me one team that you think the schedule is going to push them down to the bottom. Is there, is there a team for either of those that sticks out a little more today than it did before the schedule came out? So I don't want to bet Utah two years in a row to be the one seed, but Utah has by far the easiest schedule. Positive residual has them yeah. number one. Now, part of that is positive residual factors altitude. That's why the Jazz are number one and the Nuggets are number two. But both of them do have easy schedules. The key, though, is that the Jazz have such an easy first half of their schedule. Denver has an easy second half. Jazz have an easy first half. So they can build up. They can just rack up a huge record again and then coast the rest of the way. And that's going to get them probably through. So if you're looking at like when, when number one seed props come out, I'll probably be looking at Utah's number again. They got to be pretty high because of last year, but I do think that they're a team that absolutely came out golden. Uh, honestly, Brooklyn got a really good number. Like their schedule is, is very manageable. So, you know, again, their numbers are going to be short, right? So I don't know how much value there is on the easy side. However, on the other side, when they have, if I see worst record or number one lottery pick or any of the like number one lottery spot or any of those figures, I'm betting the magic heavy. Orlando has, this happens often. The NBA basically says, look, if you're not planning on winning anyway, we're not giving you a good schedule. <laughs> like yeah. you're trying to lose anyway. We're not, you're resting guys. <laughs> you're going to be tanking anyway. The magic have made it very, very clear that they're rebuilding. Their schedule is a nightmare. I mean, it is <laughs> like. Like I looked at it and was just like, like it is worse than the Blazers and the Clippers and like all these other teams. It's rough in terms of rest disadvantage. So combined with their roster and combined with their intentions, I'm going to be betting if I find a spot that offers a prop on worst record, I'm definitely going to be in on the map. That's interesting. I I like that. Because because once you get buried early, then there's just no coming back and you flip over completely to pink mode and, (laughs) and go for the top. I think that's that's a key thing because, you know, I think NBA.com, they wrote something about it. But the first 20 games of the season are really predictable. It's like when you look at the first 20 games of the season, only four out of the 106 teams that have won fewer than seven of their first 20 games have reached the postseason. Last team to do it was the 2013-2014 Brooklyn Nets, who started 16-6-14, and they finished as a sixth seed in the East. Now, you look at the Blazers, they have a really tough first 20 games of the schedule. I mean, they're playing teams with a cumulative win percentage of you know, 54.2. So it's just like, that's the highest mark of any team in the league. And, you know, they have games against the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Sixers, the Sun, games against the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Lakers. We could potentially see a scenario in which the Blazers start off so poorly that game could get traded. So, you know, the Blazers, along with their, you know, struggles on defense, they're a team that, honestly, I'm looking to, to play their win total under. Now, for me, 
the one thing that changed for the schedule, like that kind of, you know, put me on pause is that I actually like the Clippers. I like the Clippers over. And also, I mean, we'll get into this later, but I do like Paul George to win MVP this year because I just think the Clippers are going to be able to do enough to, you know, overcome. I think the win total is 44. I think it's way too low, but they actually have the longest road trip of the season. (laughs) Like, I think they have, you know, eight games between January 19th and January 31st. So it's just like, you kind of got to look at this stuff. I mean, there's some interesting, you know, facts here. Yeah. Like the Spurs are like one of five teams with the, you know, seven game road trip. The Grizzlies, the, the Spurs and the Blazers, they play eight games in 12 nights. I'm definitely going to be looking to fade the Blazers. Yeah, your, uh, your point on the Clippers is interesting too. As Matt was talking, that was a takeaway that I kind of stored away because I'm, unlike you, already a little bit lower on the Clippers, I think that we're underrating how big of a loss Kawhi Leonard will be to them. And so I'm starting to wonder a little bit, if their line's at 44 and, and they have a rough schedule, should I be looking at Clippers to miss the playoffs? Is, is that in play? Because if they go under 44 and if the schedule adds a couple of schedule losses in there, that is in play now. So yeah. I want I mean, to, you want, I, I want to, t- I want to take your action. It's, it's 44. We can, we can, we can book a bet. Now we can give Matt the 10% on the juice. <laughs> well, that's why I'm not, I'm not going to take the under. I'm just saying like when the number comes out for make or miss playoffs, I think, you know, the scheduling thing to me is a point where I might consider, could they get in such a big hole on some of these rough schedule outings to, to not be able to pull out of a, I, I, I think mean, I'm more on, I think I'm more on, I was tempted to lean towards the over on the Clippers by being like, look, I think this team believes in Paul George. Now I think Paul George stepped forward as a leader in the playoffs. I think PG's back to playing at an MVP level. Um, I think the roster is still going to be really good and they're still going to win a bunch of games. The schedule basically makes me go, that's that, that makes it, I think too tough to go either way. And I like, I think honestly, like the schedule makes the Clippers a no play for me rather than going the other way and, and trying to go yeah. that far, because I don't like, I think 44 and a half is too sharp. And even if they lose a couple of games, we're still in play in territory. Right. Yeah, so that's yeah. the other thing is like the play in, you got to really factor in the play in number, depending on what number you're getting for them to miss the playoffs. And even yeah. then, like, even if I'm getting a good plus number on the Clippers, I'm still going to be like, ah, I don't know what I want to doubt Paul George and the team with this much talent that much. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up for buckets. Really appreciate you guys being along. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend, get your friend in on buckets. Hit us up. I am at at HB Basketball. Brandon is at Wheaton Brando, W H E A T O N Brando. And Raheem is at DJR to the Dizza. You can hit all of us on Twitter and let us know what you think. Make sure to download the Action Network app. (laughs) And we'll talk to you guys again next time on Buckets.